It's like a whole new layer of drag brunch. It's like a nautical Mary serving yeah. nautical berries. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I, love, I like it too. Maybe we should do that this summer. Maybe. Oh, we'll go to Fire Island and we can dress up be in our so nautical fun. best drag. <laughs> Hello, I'm David Leitz, the founder of the website Leitz Culinaria and the author of The New Portuguese Table. And I'm Amy Traverso, food editor and co-host of the public television show Weekends with Yankee and author of The Apple Lover's Cookbook. And we're your hosts of Talking With My Mouthful, a podcast about food, food-adjacent topics, things that pique our interest. And in this episode, we're greeting the new year with a roundup of predictions for how well we'll be eating and cooking in 2024. We've consulted the experts and we're here to separate the future finds from the food fakes. But before we jump in, here's a reminder that this podcast can only exist with your support. Mm-hmm. We contemplated ending the podcast this past fall because the out-of-pocket costs were becoming prohibitive <laughs> for yeah, both of us. To say the least. <laughs> and that made us really sad because we love talking to you and with you. So please go to patreon.com slash talking with my mouthful. We're so grateful for your support. We thank the people who have already signed up, and we really hope we can come together to make this community sustainable well into the future. Okay, on with the show. And now it's mailbag time. That was perfect. (laughs) That worked that time. It really didn't, but that's okay. So this is part of a note from our member of our pod squad, Gary Drinkwater. And Gary says, no real reason to write to you, but I'm sure as others feel, I've grown to feel we're good pod friends. Oh, and by the way, that lobster-infused mashed potato is up next. Thanks. Feliz Natal and Feliz Ano Novo, which means Merry Christmas and Happy New Year in Portuguese. So Amy, that lobster-infused mashed potato obviously has at least one fan out there. Well, and you had suggested, you know, making the lobster mashed potatoes in the last episode using the lobster shells. Yes. That was very smart. Actually, it's funny, Gary Drinkwater, I don't know him personally, but I know he has a store in Cambridge, a beautiful yes. menswear yes, store. I used to yes. live down the street from it, and yes. I know I know it very well. That's very cool. He's a very dapper man, from what I understand. I've never met him personally. Yeah, I can only very imagine. Dapper. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, mm-hmm. let's talk about New Year's. What are your plans? And uh-huh. are you a New Year's Eve person? No, I'm really not. I, <laughs> New Year's Eve, we always try to do something really wonderful and kind of romantic, but it always ends up that we either fall asleep before the ball drops or wake up just as it's dropping because everyone's screaming on the TV. Mm-hmm. We have never gone to a New Year's Eve party. We have never gone, thank God, to Times Square in the city. Even when we lived, we were spending time in the city for New Year's, never went anywhere near Times Square. But one thing we do do, which is not food related, but I think it's something that all of us could do and probably would be useful this time of year with all that's going on in the world is we write down all the things that we are grateful for that happened to us in 2023 or the Mm -hmm. prior year and the things that we would like to release and let go of and not have continue into the new year. Mm -hmm. And it's a really wonderful time of reflection. And that is what I think of New Year's Eve more than anything. How about you guys? Mm -hmm. 
I don't consider myself a New Year's person. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. when I was single, it was all about sort of pining for some guy that oh, inevitably yeah. had a girlfriend mm-hmm. and going to a party where he was and hoping yeah. like somehow he would like transfer his affections to me and it never happened <laughs> and I'd always be lonely at midnight. And then I met Scott and it was like, okay, we'll hang out do something mellow and smooch at midnight and that's that. And then over time it was like, we'll be asleep by 10 o'clock and we'll (laughs) feel very smug about like, we don't have to get out there and do that stuff. This year we might, there's an opportunity to go to a fancy party. And I think Mm -hmm. everyone in our generations is haunted by when Harry met Sally, like ultimate New Year's Eve party scene. And I do feel like one time in my life, I want to be somewhere that feels like that. And there's maybe an opportunity to do that this year. So- that oh, might really? be it. You know, you reminded yeah. me of something when I was young and single a gazillion years ago. Remember the song, It's Just Another New Year's Eve, Another Night Like All no. the Rest, Barry Manilow? Oh, I would I sit him. there and play that and cry and <laughs> cry that I had nobody with me. I'd cry and cry and cry. What about you, Adam? Do you have any plans for New Year's Eve? This year for us, actually, New Year's Eve is going to be the day that do like an extended family party. Nice. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, we do that every year. I mean, that started when I was a kid with my my parents' family. Now it's a lot of my parents have moved away. A lot of them. All my parents have moved away. <laughs> yeah. All 12 of your parents, yes. You were raised yeah. on a commune. <laughs> yes. You were a commune child. Exactly. Yeah, but so many people have moved away, but my a lot of my cousins are still in the area now. All of my cousins, including myself, have kids. So we are still kind of keeping that tradition together. And it just fell on New Year's Eve this year. Nice. That's great. Adam, did the moving away of the parents coincide with the birth of all these many children? Was it like, it's about to get loud in here, let's get to Florida? <laughs> it was loud from day one. Well, my mother comes from a family of seven. Oh, wow. my God. And some of them have. So, yeah, I mean, Thanksgivings, we're, we're talking like 40, 50 people. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, like, these parties are still very large. But, yeah, I, I don't think anyone was afraid of the noise. They were the makers of the noise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And now from our news desk is our very own EGOT winner, Amy Traverso with Food News. EGOT? Yeah, the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. I just thought I'd throw that in there for you. Okay, all right. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So here's a new one. And actually, this might be controversial. Uh, A government agency is now considering reclassifying potatoes as starches rather Mm -hmm. than vegetables Mm -hmm. because currently the top two vegetables consumed by Americans are potatoes and tomatoes Mm -hmm. thanks to French fries, ketchup, and pizza. In 2019, the average American ate almost... 50 pounds of potatoes annually and around 31 pounds of tomatoes. So it's a committee made up of USDA and Department of Health and Human Services folks. Mm -hmm. They're putting together these new dietary guidelines for 2025. And so potatoes will go over to the same category if they go forward with this as bread, rice, and pasta. And the goal is to get people to eat more actual veggies and not feel like they've checked the box with That's potato. really going to do it. I'm sure yeah. reclassifying is <laughs> everyone's going to go, oh my gosh, I need to eat more vegetables. I know that I must be an outlier because I eat far more, far more than 50 pounds of potatoes and far, far less than 31 pounds of tomatoes. I know I do. Huh. I'm a wicked outlier. 
Well, here's my confession. I am not a potato person. Oh my God. I, How can you not be? I, I know. I What's like wrong French fries and mm-hmm. I like crispy, really crispy roasted potatoes. But mm-hmm. I could go without, if you took potatoes like out of the world, if they disappeared, if there was like a blight, I would be okay. I don't really like mashed potatoes. I don't like baked potatoes at all. I don't get it. Like scalloped oh potatoes. Adam, I mean, does anyone else feel this I, I don't think that we can continue this podcast ever. I think we have to split up. <laughs> I have to have a potato I, at every meal. Really? I just I do. just don't understand it. And I love carbs. I love bread. I love pasta, rice, all of it. Potatoes, oh, I'm like, Mashed ah. potatoes, roasted potatoes, steamed potatoes, boiled potatoes, French fries, no. potato chips. Boiled any, potatoes. Oh, my oh. God. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Adam, do you want to be the tiebreaker on this? <laughs> if you want, I wouldn't recommend bringing me into this. I mean, we're talking every meal potatoes. Absolutely. Really? Oh, yeah, breakfast potatoes. The best. Yes, oh, of I, course. Hash browns, never. Oh. I'm always oh like, please, just God. don't even give me the hash browns. I won't eat them. And what you is have wrong the nerve me? to call yourself a food editor. <laughs> what is wrong with me? I I like, you know what shame. I like? Tater tots. I like tater tots. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> I'm wagging my finger at you. Shame on you, Amy. I like gnocchi. I do like gnocchi. That's See, I don't love gnocchi. <laughs> Gnocchi's okay. You know, there's a lot of flour in there, but no. Potatoes. Yeah, and yeah. give me a great Yukon gold or a nice waxy potato. <gasps> oh, waxy. God. Oh, oh gross. Love them. Oh. So bad. Okay, well, I'm disappointed in you, but. We'll move on. Well, I'm alone in this. I'm alone and weird. Okay. David, Mm -hmm. we have an RIP. I feel like this is a food trend from 2023 that we haven't gotten over. It's not new news, but I think it's worth noting because it was a big deal. Ronzoni discontinuing pastina. It's just, I feel that they just put their, their hand into my chest and ripped out just part of my heart. (laughs) <laughs> Just, you know, part of my childhood and part of my heart has been ripped out and stomped on by the Ronzoni company. I mean, other companies are making it like Barilla, San Giorgio, Ferrara. But the truth of the matter is, at least growing up in New England, it was Ronzoni. Yeah. It was Ron- I used to make yeah. little, because they had that little hole in the middle, you know, if they're pastina. I used to yeah. make little pastina necklaces. Didn't oh, you do that when you were a kid so in cute. school? Yeah, Adam, you made, he's shaking his head. Yeah. It hurts so much because that was what your grandmother would give you when you were exactly. sick, was like homemade chicken stock with pastina. pastina in it. And well, in my house, it would be like a shower of Parmesan mm-hmm. on top. And it's the most delicious, <laughs> most comforting yeah. thing. It's like the Italian version of you know Jewish penicillin. I went back into therapy after that one. So at least my therapist <laughs> is making money. Thank God. They actually, thank you, Ronzoni, for that. <laughs> <laughs> Something needed to get it back in therapy. <laughs> Well, you know, speaking of looking back, this is actually our second episode where we looked at food trends and forecasts. We did one for 2023, and I want to revisit how we did. And Adam, I want to ask you, uh, we're going to judge whether we got these things right. Maybe you can add a little sound effect like a buzz or a ding ding, you know, depending on how we did. So, or sad trombone. Okay. Yeah, I like that one. That's good. Sad trombone. Okay. okay, David, you want to go with the first yeah, one? Yeah, our first prediction was the absolute rise of seafood cocktails, like meaning Clamato cocktails made with oyster liquid and other kind of briny libations. Our verdict, Adam? Yeah, this was a dud. 
Though we are seeing briny flavors in more restaurant menus, which is a good thing. Things like, you know, uni and caviar and oysters and razor clams. I love razor clams. But it yeah. seems like people are still drinking more espresso martinis and Cosmos, which is so outdated. And Nautical Marys, which I love that idea, the, the, the name Nautical Marys. It's like a Bloody Mary made with clam juice. It also sounds like a really, like a, a Fire Island drag queen, Nautical Mary. <laughs> it's like a whole new layer of drag brunch. It's like a Nautical Mary serving yeah. Nautical Marys. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I, love, I like it too. Maybe and we they, should do that this summer. Maybe. Oh, we'll go to Fire Island and we can dress up in our so nautical fun. best drag. <laughs> so what else do we have for... Okay, so last year we also talked about the popularity of adaptogenic mushroom products like teas made with lion's mane, yep. reishi, ch- reishi, sorry, let me do that again. Is it reishi? Like I always tea- said reishi. Is it reishi? Let's leave this in because we don't know. Maybe we some of know. our listeners can we help We never us. know. Um, I was at a dinner party last night and somebody was saying reishi and I was like, oh, I've got to remember that. Okay, um, and chaga. And I would say, Adam, I think this prediction held. Yep. Despite the fear of cordyceps that The Last of Us put oh in our heads. Oh my God, right? I, I think mushrooms did have a big year. Also, of course, the rise of psychedelics, but that's a whole other thing. You know, I have to say this. After The Last of Us, I was taking cordyceps supplements. I stopped. You did. I was taking lion's mane and reishi or, or, or reishi. <laughs> I was taking those. I stopped the cordyceps. I just didn't want this thing like popping out of my head and oh, overtaking my God. body. I, I couldn't watch those scenes where it would come out oh. of their mouths. The oh. worst. Yeah, oh. That scared the hell yeah, out of me. But it's such a good show. <laughs> and then we also talked about ube as the hot flavor of 2023. And it was appearing in food and drink from pies and waffles to latte and ube colada. And the verdict is Adam... That's right. Ube has been everywhere, although I am not a fan. Are you, Amy? I do like the flavor, yeah. You do? Yeah. Actually, I was in Miami until yesterday, and we went to a really great little Filipino food market. Mm-hmm. It was a food stall in this really fun food court called 1-800-LUCKY in mm-hmm. the design district, and they had some really delicious ube desserts, yeah. And I love the color. I love the color, too. And I like it when it's kind of sweeter, but sometimes people are doing it in savory applications. Mm, Don't really mm -hmm. like it when it's savory. Right. So what else do we have? Okay. Another prediction was regional pizzas. Oh, that's right. That was your (sighs) biggie. That was a biggie for you. I'm so embarrassed. Okay. Yes. It continues to be a growing trend as New Haven pizza spreads across the country and people are getting to know the difference between Roman, Sicilian, Trenton, Detroit, South Mm -hmm. Shore, Neapolitan, pizza styles. Mm -hmm. But was it really going out on a limb for us to say that pizza was going to be... Okay, I'll say me. Was it really going out on a limb for me to say that pizza (laughs) was going to be popular in 23? I think I cheated. The verdict, Adam? Yeah, that's right, Abe. You were wrong. You were wrong on that one. <laughs> yep. I okay, what about that. the last one for this? So finally, I think this was, we both really had a problem with this, but butterboards were dumb. We just flat out said butterboards were dumb, and I still maintain that. But we said that they would be big, and we were right. And now there's something much worse. We have butter candles. Butter candles. And... It's I not, hate this. It's not butter-scented candles. It's butter. Candles. With a wick in it. I mean, come on. Eat the damn thing. <laughs> and you put it out and you light it. And then people are sticking things into this butter that has like little bits, little flakes of charred candle wick in it. 
and eating it. I don't get it. I don't I don't understand. Like, yeah. See, this is why I don't like trends. I think trends uh, are foolish. I really do. <laughs> why are we doing this episode? <laughs> because I think people are very curious about what the trends are and everyone wants yeah, to know yeah. what's happening and what happened. I'm glad that we're really debunking things and saying, you know, certain ones did not make it. But I'm always the last one onto the bandwagon, always the last one. And I never recognize a trend if it hits me in the head. You know, I just, you know, I don't recognize them. The, this is just, it's the TikTok effect. It's like, I need a gimmick. Yeah. I need a gimmick that's going to drive, you know, likes and views. And, oh, here's an idea. Butter is made of fat. I, oh, it just, it's, <laughs> Butter it's like should doing be used something for the sake of doing it. In one of two places, in cooking and in sex. Those are the two places you should use butter. Sex. That's all I'm going to say. David, okay. tell me more. <laughs> That's this, all. Is this how you injured your thumbs that time? Because you had butter all over your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Oh my God, if people can see my face right now, it is so red. Oh my God. David, there's no nothing I love more than when you, you're laughing and you say I'm so embarrassed and you're all red in your face. That's so cute. <laughs> what didn't they use butter in Last Tango in Paris? Wasn't that what they used oh, or something? Or say they I, used yeah, food, I, some food substance. I thought it was butter. Ice. <laughs> or maybe six weeks he used butter oh, or something. Oh, now he's deflecting. He knows nothing about this personally. <laughs> he right. Just saw Here's the list of once. all the movies that use butter in sex. <laughs> okay. oh, thank God my mother doesn't listen to this podcast. I'm he's so waving his hands in front of his face. So my okay. mother doesn't David, listen. David, I'm gonna give <laughs> <laughs> Show mercy. Let's let's pivot now. It's time okay. to look ahead to 2024. Yes. We've given ourselves our grades. Mm-hmm. Okay. This one I think is kind of charming. Um, so, David, are you familiar with the Ann Clark Cookie Cutter Company? I have heard of it. Yes. Okay. So they are the biggest cookie cutter maker in the U.S. They're based oh. in Rutland, Vermont. Go New England. They are responsible for 65% of the cookie cutter sales in the country. Isn't and that wonderful? Isn't that sweet? And it's family company. And based on what's selling, they can kind of predict cultural trends. Uh, For example, and I'm not going to be political and I'm not going to get into details, but for the 2016 elections, the cutters that represented each candidate sold actually in proportion to the final vote count. So the cookie cutter sales were tracking into what ended up being the final vote count. Um, And so what they're seeing for 2024 is Mm -hmm. 1960s and 70s nostalgia, psychedelia, shapes like mushrooms and peace signs. And I know there's a joke in there about munchies and cookie cutters (laughs) and psychedelia. But anyway, I think that's kind of a fun thing and we'll be on the lookout for like a nostalgia for the 60s I and 70s. I think that's wonderful because I love cookie cutters. I, I don't use them a lot, but I have a bunch because right. the one's mother bequeathed to me all of her oh, cookie nice. cutters. So I have yeah. some in plastic. I have some that are metal. It And so that I think is wonderful. I, I yeah. think that's great. So we're going to keep on the lookout. Maybe we should talk to somebody at the Ann Clark Cookie Cutter Company. Ooh, that might be you fun. You know, they have a cult following. There are people who have entire rooms devoted to the cookie cutters. Like this is a wow. real subculture. It would be fun to talk about it actually. It would be. And Absolutely. I love watching Instagram videos of people decorating cookies, like, you know, sugar cookies and then just doing the lovely like frostings and making pictures. And I love watching you know, that. It's so much sometimes fun. when I can't sleep at night and I haven't mm-hmm. taken my my melatonin, mm-hmm. I'll watch TikToks of 
people making the cookies and swirling the, yeah. the icing on it. Yeah. I think some of that stuff is just so relaxing, oh, so weird. So satisfying, yeah. So we are continued, I don't mean Amy and I, but we as a people are continued to be obsessed with wellness and wellness foods with anti-inflammatory properties and immune-boosting products. I mean, maybe you are, Amy, not so much me, but in I 2024, am, yeah, uh, look for botanicals and florals in cocktails, which I think is nice. Non-alcoholic drinks, that's going to be- Huge. I am, I am absolutely staking this territory. Huge non-alcoholic drinks. Actually, the, uh, there's a, a, a non-alcoholic cocktail store that just opened in Boston. Really? Like if you want to have a non-alcoholic party, you can go there and get all the fun mixers and all the fun like pre-mixed non-alcoholic drinks. I love it. Cause That's I'm not, great. I'm not a big drinker. I'm, yeah, not I'm not sober, but I'm not a big drinker. Yeah, yeah, definitely not sober, but I'm not a big drinker either. And so look for it in, like I said, uh, um, oh, where we go? You'll also find these botanicals and florals in desserts and other treats. Example, wasabi flowers. I wonder what they taste like. Do they taste spicy? It's like a sweeter uh, version of wasabi. wasabi. So a milder, sweeter version. Yeah. Elderberry flower, which I adore. Rose hips mm -hmm. and ashwagandha. Yeah. That's, now, uh, I'm yeah. going to ask this because I do this all the time. A friend of mine does psychedelics. He goes to these retreats. He's not having ashwagandha. He's having- No, Ayur the, uh, not Ayurveda. It's, um, wait. What's the other one? Ayahuasca. 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 Right. So for those of you <laughs> like me who get your A's confused, ashwagandha mm -hmm. is not ayahuasca. Yes. Because you'd get totally stoned if it were. <laughs> so Amy, what else do you have? Yeah, so you know how everybody was obsessing over chicken, like fried chicken sandwiches and, yes. you know, who's doing the best one, which fast food place, mm -hmm. who's mm -hmm. mimicking the Popeyes, who's doing the Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Well, now chicken sandwiches are out, which I'm not sad about at all. I was kind of sick of that trend. Mm -hmm. It's all about, but we still love chicken. So it's about yeah, chicken we wings mm -hmm. and it's about yeah. raising canes and chicken fingers. I think... We are absolutely regressing as a people and we are really <laughs> falling back on childhood favorites because yeah. we're very stressed. This, the world feels very totally stressful. Stressed. So chicken fingers, I think there's just like an unhinged, unrepentant, unembarrassed embrace of the chicken finger. And you know what? Raising Cane's chicken fingers are really good. I, yeah. I have to admit it. They're very good. I haven't good. had them, but I'll tell you, chicken wings, I don't even recall ever ordering chicken wings in a restaurant ever. Really? Yeah, Buffalo I will, wings? No, I know. Adam's like, what? I go for chicken fingers. I'll go for buffalo chicken fingers, but wings have never done it for me. As a matter of mm. fact, when we roast chickens, we kind of like just toss them in for stock. We don't, either, either one of us. Oh, I neither do like one of us wings. Eat yeah. I told you my chicken wing story. I won't do it again, but it was pretty funny. The buffalo wing story. No, that was yeah. very funny. That was <laughs> a highlight and to, of yeah. the 2023 year. That was a very funny thing that you did. Uh, so now in the future of non-meat meat, which I think it's such an oxymoron. Um, I know. No, is it an oxymoron? Is that what it's called? An oxymoron, non-meat meat? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like what is it? Giant shrimp or something like that? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So- uh, yeah, in the future of non-meat meat, there's been enough progress in creating cell-cultured meat. Now, let's tell them what cell-cultured meat is, Amy. It's actual meat cells that are derived from meat. <laughs> right. But that can be grown in the lab as opposed to on an animal. And it's this, the idea is maybe it could ultimately be a more humane and, and more sustainable way of 
giving people the meat that they want. Well, see, I, I, I'm kind of for that, you know, for. but there are two companies that have gotten the all clear upside foods and good meats to produce their cell cultured meats starting next year. Now, this is still in its early days, so of course it's gonna change a lot, but you may not see the meat in restaurant menus or in butcher cases this year, but keep an eye out because we think 2024 is a transitional year. Beyond and also Impossible showed us what could be done with vegetable-based meat substitutes. Now, trend spotters are looking to meat-based meat substitutes, but it's not a meat substitute. It's an animal no. substitute, right? Right. You're right. Okay. It's an animal substitute. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, I like that idea that it's real meat, but do I really want to eat meat that was grown in a lab? I, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I- yeah, there's a. Uh, it, it gets know. really complicated and Frankenstein-y real yeah. quick. And you know, I, what I would look forward to is that no longer will we drive down the street, or because down the street from us is like a bit of a small cattle farm, like a gentleman's cattle farm. And every time we go by, the one goes, hello, roast biff. Hello, roast biff. <laughs> every time we go by. And I'm like, can you like not make the connection between them and our meal? So this this could be interesting <laughs> that way. Well, and of course there are people, I don't want to fail to acknowledge, there are people who would argue that, you know, raising meat can be incredibly sustainable and practice regenerative agriculture that, yes, uh, that absolutely. requires grazing animals in mm-hmm. order to keep the soil healthy. And I don't want to ignore that when I talk about sustainability. Yeah. And we're not being political here. We're not choosing sides. We're just telling you the trends, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it'll be it'll just be interesting to see. Does the public adopt it? How quickly can they roll it out? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's one I hate to even bring up, but, mm-hmm. and this is just honestly my opinion. I fear there's going to be a restaurant shakeout in the coming year. Inflation is coming down yeah. and the cost of staple foods like eggs is dropping. Thank goodness. Yeah. The cost of groceries, while it is rising as it always does, it's rising at a rate that's slower than inflation in general. So mm-hmm. in 2023, the cost of groceries went up 2.9%, but the overall inflation was 3.1%. So there is some correction happening with groceries, right? Mm-hmm. But eating out has become so prohibitively expensive. Oh my God, I it mean, has. I'm having sticker shock when I go to the places that used to be our cheap eats yep. places where entrees would be $9, $10, and now they're $17. The mm-hmm. cost of eating outside the home went up 5.3% over the year before in 2023. Wow. Wow. So. You know, there's some evidence that people are buying frozen versions of cheap eats foods like pizza, dumplings, french fries, and cooking them at home. The sales of those products are going up. And while we're absolutely in support of livable wages for staff and responsible sourcing and all of that, you know, there's only so much people can afford. And there has also been this post-COVID flood of new restaurants, like a lot of new restaurants, almost like this, you know, this. there are concepts that were just waiting to be released into the world once we got past COVID. Mm -hmm. So I'm just concerned that we're going to see a sort of big correction on the restaurant scene. I may be wrong. You know, it's a a worry. It's going to be interesting to talk next December, but I think you may be right because we were going to go to a restaurant and it was a good restaurant, but not like a Michelin star or anything like that. Right. And a plate of pasta was $29. And yeah. it was long pasta, fresh pasta. It wasn't any kind of wickedly special thing that had like, you know, Botarga or something like that in it. $29 for pasta when a box of pasta is like what? $2? Yeah. $1.50 or something? Yeah. yeah. It's, we eat at home almost all 
all the time now. We really don't eat out. Of course, I do live in a culinary wasteland out here, as you, I've always said. Right, right. But And again, we're not, we understand that the costs are not just restaurateurs being greedy. That is the cost. I mean, wages have had to go up to keep people in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of Those course. Those costs are, you know, legitimate costs. I just am not certain that Americans are going to be able to afford all this eating out uh, mm-hmm. to keep all these restaurants open. And speaking about pasta and kind yeah. of that Italian thing, there is going to be a hot pasta trend, we think. Data Essential predicts that the classic ruffled edge Cresto de Gallo, it's named for a visual similarity to a rooster's crest or a coxcomb. It will be the it pasta. It's going to be the it girl of the pasta world for 2024. Now, have you ever seen it on the shelves, Amy? I have seen it. And it's, it is a really cool shape because it it, what you have to imagine like taking ziti, right? But mm-hmm. fresh mm-hmm. and turning it into a half moon shape. Mm-hmm. But on the edge of one of the, the on the, one of these sides, it's all ruffly. Yeah. And so it's going to capture the sauce and really and hold, hold it. it. Like especially it's a little like, meaty sauce. Which yes. Which would be nice, like a bolognese yes. or something like that. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I see the appeal of it. Absolutely. Like it's, it. You're right. I, I see a picture here. Actually, I'm just looking online with a bolognese and like all the little pieces of pork and beef are like, you know, just nestling into the ridges of the Cresta de Gala. So, and it's interesting because Dan Pashman, who is the creator of the Sporkful podcast, mm, he actually mm-hmm. created a new pasta shape. Do you know that? This is about yes. four or five years ago and it's very popular. So that's interesting. Yeah. That's the cascatelli, which is also very ridged. It's not that different from Cresta de Gallo, but the ruffles are bigger and also really good at just like holding it in, getting the sauce to cling to it. Yeah. Somewhat similar shape. Yeah. So this may not feel like a new trend, but in 2024, spicy foods are going to be hot on a level that we haven't yet seen. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking beyond hot sauce, beyond sriracha, beyond Mm -hmm. even chili crisps, which I still adore and have every day. We are looking at additional sources of heat that are growing in popularity. We're talking piri piri, which you know. Portugal, yay. Gochujang, the Korean Mm -hmm. sauce that is so wonderful and like umami and sweet and spicy. We're looking at the popularity of really hot chilies like scorpion chilies. We're looking at pepper-infused kombucha and other Mm. beverages. The hot salsas outselling the mild, chili oils and all kinds of hot foods. So just be looking at like warming. I think we have become people who are acclimated to spicy food. I think the average person eats spicy food in a way that maybe they didn't 50 years ago. And I'm yeah. all for it. Are you? I'm, yeah, I'm I a love it. moderate chili head. The one, absolutely not. He won't yeah. even put red chili flakes in a dish. <laughs> he, he just It's oh, too hot for him. He won't do it. I can't have pizza if it doesn't have like a generous showering of red chili flakes. Adam, where do you fall on this? Yeah. You a chili head? Oh, my God. I love ghost pepper and I see that everywhere. Oh, my now. God. Yeah. I, yes. haven't, I haven't Huge. done that. Yeah, that's, that's huge really right hot. But it's also really popular right now. It just seems like everyone is incorporating yeah. the ghost pepper yeah. into something. Yeah. And talking about this pepper infused kombucha, how is your kombucha going? My kombucha is so healthy and thriving. My kombucha is living its best life. And in fact, <laughs> I, this is so delightful. Let's here's a little wholesome moment for okay. 2024. I always have two gallon 
jars of kombucha brewing on my counter at any given time because I love it Mm -hmm. and it's expensive to buy and it's so easy to make, so easy. And so I, we have this lovely neighborhood like chat, you know, on WhatsApp. Oh, that's nice. I posted a few weeks ago, Hey, I, you know, I'm making kombucha. I always have extra scobies. If anyone wants to learn how to make it, you know, just hit me up. Well, people have been responding and I've been supplying them with scobies. It's so lovely. Like they come over, I show them how to do it. They're so appreciative. Like one of them brought me flowers. I was like, really? I'm just giving you my like- Oh, this is so sweet. So you're kind of like the grandma kombucha. Grandma kombucha. (laughs) (laughs) You're like the the culinary eve of kombucha in your neighborhood. It's like a little barter economy happening on a small scale. That is marvelous. Yeah. So it's making me so happy. It's kombucha. Which it keeps giving. It just keeps adding to my life. And actually, I have to say, we were in Miami until yesterday visiting mm-hmm. Scott's family. I couldn't find kombucha anywhere. I mean, I could go to a Whole Foods and find it. Yeah. I walked around Miami airport for 30 minutes yesterday. Not a single... I, I'm just surprised because I see Miami as a very like health and beauty conscious place. Mm-hmm. You would think kombucha would be something you could buy at the Miami yeah. airport. Nary a kombucha to be found. Wow. And then I got to Logan Airport in Boston. It was everywhere. So everywhere. I love where I live. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, here's one other prediction. Actually, David, do you want to share our best prediction for 2024? Yes. This is a prediction that I know will come true because I'm thinking positive thoughts. Think lovely thoughts, like, like Wendy says of Peter Pan. Here's our prediction. Talking with my mouthful will thrive in 2024. And who knows, it could even go back to being a weekly scheduled program thanks to the support of you, our dear, wonderful audience. When David and I were at this decision point of whether we could keep going with the podcast, it felt like such a shot in the dark to say, well, will people support us? Even try to support us? I know. Is that a crazy thing to ask them? We've only had it up for about, what, a week and a half, maybe? Maybe. And we have all these people who are willing to support us. They want to hear us. And so we're thrilled by that. And we thank them tremendously. Yes. And so we wish you all the happiest new year. Thank you so much for your support. Please sign up if you haven't and if you can. And we will be back, thanks to you, in two weeks with a new episode. This episode is sponsored by our charter members of the Talking With My Mouthful Patreon page. Sarah Schrager, Anne-Marie Longobuco, Deb Greer, D. Brian Forrest, Coralie Curran, Andrea Allen, and Deborah N. Flanagan. You're our big mouth angels, and we love you. Talking With My Mouthful is produced by Overt Studios, and our producer is the old acquaintance near forgot, Adam Claremont. You can reach Adam and Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. And remember to follow Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And as Amy said earlier, we are self-funded. So if you want to continue the marvelous, joyous, serotonin-boosting show you've come to know and love, would you please consider supporting us? It's just like supporting public media. You'll find a link to our Patreon page in the show notes for this episode, or you can go directly to patreon.com slash talkingwithmymouthful. Ciao and happy 2024. Bye, David.